Argentinian President Javier Milei ran as a radical anarcho-libertarian, promising freedom and to endorse the cost for the structural adjustment to the elite. Yet, in a month in power, he has imposed a police state regime and one of the most draconian economic adjustments in recent memory. His 35-year plan aims to reduce the size of the state, eliminate social spending, radical changes in labor, commons and finance law, to end price controls, attack workers' rights, and liberalize the economy. He also intends to dramatically reduce retirement funds and pensions, and even the closure of Argentina's central bank. We spoke to Julio Gambina, doctor in social sciences, professor of political economy at the University of Rosario, Gambina also works with one of the main trade unions in Argentina, the CTA. There's been a 50% devaluation of the Argentine peso, which means that from the first day there was devaluation. Buying a dollar now costs 118% more, and that translates to prices, added to Malay's new freedom of price law. There's been massive price escalation since then. Today, the inflation data for December will be published. Inflation of 25 to 30 percent is expected in December, a very similar figure for the month of January, and annualized inflation for the entire year of 2023 a little above 200 percent, which represents a brutal transfer of income that has been accelerated in the month of December since Javier Millet took office. It's only been a month of Javier Millet's government. The first official data shows that there's a loss of 13% of purchasing power and salaries during the first month of his government. The continuous loss of income as a result of inflation and declining overall economic conditions affect especially those living on fixed income. I am mad, real mad. I want to punch everything. Today, Tuesday, January 2nd, 2024, food corporations just increased the price of their products yet again. Here they are, busting our balls again. They ended the year with brutal increases in prices. 30%, 40%, 50%, 60% for food. 40%, They said that they had outstanding debts. So we thought, okay, I guess after this increase, we'll be okay. And now, Tuesday, January 2nd, we have new increases. Why? We don't know. They said they had to catch up with their costs. And supposedly, they did that with the last price increase. This is why inflation data is so important. Because it reflects a loss of purchasing power. It reflects a deterioration on the living conditions of the majority of the population. If we add to that the political audacity of the Malay government that's governing in an undemocratic way 
using decrees, for example, a decree of necessity and urgency that established deregulation in Argentina. With that decree, he modified the rental law, harming tenants and favoring, of course, the sector that owns real estate and energizing the real estate market, which is a highly speculative market, and intervening with the new exchange rate in a very serious way in speculative mechanisms and in external accounts. Argentina's external debt has been growing. One of the first measures that the government took was to pay down a debt of $3,200,000,000, for which it issued a billion dollars that it gave to the central bank to withdraw international reserves and has pushed the central bank of the Argentine Republic to assume debt in dollars. The central bank is now issuing dollarized securities to resolve the debt of private Argentinian sectors with external suppliers, mainly from commercial debt for imports. In other words, Argentina is paying debt and at the same time, it is increasing the external public debt. While right-wing parties across the world portray Davos as a base of socialism and globalist plotting, the World Economic Forum welcomed Javier Milei as a star speaker. Today I am present to inform you that the Western world is facing a significant threat. It is in danger because those who are supposed to defend the values of the Western world are co-opted by a worldview that inevitably leads to socialism and consequently to poverty and economic deprivation. Unfortunately, in recent decades, motivated by some well-intentioned desires to help others and others by the desire to belong to a privileged caste, the main leaders of the Western world have abandoned the model of freedom for different versions of what we call collectivism. We are here to tell you that collectivist experiments are never the solution to the problems that afflict the citizens of the world, but rather they are their cause. Millet's rant against collectivism clearly resonated among the caste of elite bankers and hyper-capitalists gathered at the ski resort. Because free countries are 12 times richer than repressed ones. Saying goes that in countries with freedom, People live better than 90% of population in repressed countries. It has 25 times fewer poor people in the standard format and 50 times fewer in the extreme format. And if that weren't enough, citizens of free countries live 25% longer than citizens of repressed countries. Libertarianism is the unrestricted respect for the life project of others based on the principle of non-aggression and in defense of the right to life liberty and property. And to impose that liberty, Javier Milei has implemented a regime of zero tolerance for dissent, including a number of anti-protest protocols equivalent to a police state, something previously only seen in military dictatorships. What many refer to as economic violence requires actual physical violence to be effectively imposed, especially in a country with a rich history of popular strife between a strong working class and a ruthless elite in control of state violence. Millet's protocols authorize the police to intervene and detain individuals without a judicial order if they are perceived as blocking any road, walkway, or building entrance, even if alternative routes exist or the subjects are not actively obstructing anyone. 
Millet protocols grant the police the authority to incrementally operate until the space intended for circulation is completely clear, a provision open to interpretations that could effectively bring an end to social demonstrations and protests, a cornerstone of Republican democratic life. Even if you protest in a private area, your demonstration can be labeled as social unrest, providing another reason for intervention and detention without a judicial order, under the guise of a flagrant crime. The protocols also mandate state forces to document and gather intelligence on leaders of social organizations, tagging the vehicles that transport them and their drivers as potential accomplices of protesters' crimes. The intelligence collected about protesters will be processed by the Ministry of Security and sent to the General Authority's Office for eventual legal action. Additionally, Millet protocols require processing for fathers who take their children to demonstrations, especially if the children are missing school or deemed to be in danger. Despite the fact that any form of demonstration is now required to be dispersed by the police, thus putting any nearby children in danger. It is important to understand that attending demonstrations and marches as a family is a tradition in South America. The protocols hold social organizations liable for any damage to property, and any foreign individual attending a demonstration could face deportation. The Security and Criminal Policy Secretary will maintain an ongoing list of social organizations that includes the number of alleged offenders among its ranks. The list is to be updated and processed until all processes against them are cleared. It is ironic that this iron fist of vigilance, repression and persecution enforced by state-run agencies is being imposed by a self-proclaimed anarcho-libertarian who campaigned under the promise of freedom. Yet, as a direct result of the radical increase in prices, job losses, and intended privatizations of strategic state sectors, many anticipate an upcoming wave of social conflict, despite Millet's draconian anti-protest protocols. I have a very, very, very strong perspective of social conflict. I believe we are on the verge of great social chaos. Argentine society is going to resist these measures that President Malay has taken and has fundamentally neglected issues that are essential. Two issues, government subsidies and food prices. Two issues that have worsened terribly and that are directly linked to social peace. And there is no one in the government concerned about resolving these two issues. In the history of humanity, wheat has established and removed governments going back 5,000 years. And it can be a triggering factor of great social conflict in the Argentine Republic. I think that's what I'm seeing going forward. I think it is a future of social chaos and high conflict. Pedro Peretti is an agricultural producer. He also writes for the famed magazine Pagina 12. He was the head director of the Argentine Agrarian Federation and is co-author of Agricultural Argentina, Proposals for a National and Popular Agriculture with a Human Face. 
Bueno, el campo eh, estaba teniendo... El campo venía de un, de un problema... In the fields, we were having a very serious problem, which is the drought as a result of climate change. Argentina suffered a very serious drought that caused them to lose around $20 billion in income because everything was lost. Almost 50% of the soybean harvest was lost. Almost 50% of the wheat harvest was lost. Almost 70% of the corn harvest. In other words, a very, very strong impact that affected the macro economy and the central bank's reserve and forced the previous government to maneuver to try to get producers to sell the soybeans that they had withheld. When producers retain soybeans in the amount that was retained, it means that they have a very important economic solvency because no one retains what they need to sell in order to survive. Was retaining soybean a political move by agricultural capital groups? If Peretti is right, then those very same capital groups soon can have a lot to gain by buying strategic state assets. In Parliament, throughout the month of January, there are extraordinary sessions of parliamentary debate to approve legislation that's made up of more than 660 articles, which modify and regulate the legal system in Argentina, among other things, to favor the privatizations of all companies and public entities of Argentina. Let's say, in short, that Javier Millet's ultra-liberal program assumes the legacy of the right-wing government of Mauricio Macri between 2015 and 2019, plus all the regressive reforms of the 90s under the presidency of Menem and De La Rua, which ultimately assumed the proposal for the regressive restructuring of the military dictatorship from 1976 to 83. So we can say that Millet's doctrine is the materialization of an objective from half a century ago. A reactionary reform of the state and society in Argentina is being carried out, all in an accelerated manner in the first month of government. The need to control a process of decades of inflation was evident for everyone. In last year's election, the choice was centered on how and who could do it. A radical like Millet or a more social-oriented Peronist party. But now, a month has passed, and it seems that Javier Millet's promises to endorse the cost for the structural adjustment to the elite might have not been sincere. It's a colonial project, not a national project. Millet's program is a business agenda done in favor of corporations. There is no national project there. There is no economic project there. There is nothing there. It is just, I need to loot the lithium to get the lithium out. I need this measure to loot oil. I need to do this, this to loot oil. And these are the companies that will benefit. And I take the measures that they need. I mean, it's a project. It's a business agenda with a looting project. Corporations do not pay taxes in the Argentine Republic. Argentina's fiscal support is based on consumption. The country relies heavily on consumption-based fiscal support, with workers bearing the burden through a uniform 21% sales tax on items like a kilo of bread. This regressive taxation affects individuals across different economic statuses, from the wealthiest, like Paulo Roca, to those struggling to eat, like Juan Nobody. Massa tried to remedy something as an economy minister, but he was too late. Obviously, Argentina needs the large transnationals to pay taxes. Fundamentally, the cereal companies, which are great evaders of taxes. 
Dr. Gambina asserts that the socio-political drama unfolding in Argentina can have worldwide repercussions. The door has been opened, not just to the right, but to the ultra-right. Argentina now has a president who is assumed to be a libertarian, the first liberal libertarian president in the world. This is not a right-wing nationalist like Bolsonaro or Trump or Maloney, but rather a cultist of the Austrian school. It's the first time in the contemporary history of capitalism that a cultivator of the Austrian school, a staunch conservative, assumes the presidency. And that's generating expectations on the global right. They claim capitalism is bad because it's individualistic and collectivism is good because it's altruistic towards others. And thus they strive for social justice. But this concept that has become trendy in the developed world recently, in my country, it has been a constant in political discourse for over 80 years. The issue is that social justice is unfair and doesn't contribute to general well-being. On the contrary, it's an inherently unfair idea because it's violent. It's unfair because the state is financed through taxes and taxes are collected coercively. Just as in 1973, Pinochet opened the doors to the Chicago school, to the liberalization of the economy and neoliberalism, marking the course that Great Britain later assumed with Thatcher, the United States with Reagan, uh, Felipe González and social democracy in Spain, Mitterrand in France. There was a neoliberal wave for 40 years in the world. Well, one of the hypotheses that is hovering today in the debate in political economy and economic policy is that the extreme liberalization of the world economy, following the guidelines of the Austrian school, can set a direction for it, in quotes, to end the crisis of world capitalism. That is why the world's right-wing parties are looking with great expectation at the success of the relaunch of world capitalism in a time of very deep crisis. There's a crisis of the American economy, crisis of the European economy, where the main problem of the European economy is the German economy, with a very strong loss of productivity in its industrial sector, which is what highlights German power in Europe. You have to think that at this moment in Germany, there are major workers' conflicts, workers' strikes, peasant strikes, who are demanding a redistribution of income. That is why you cannot look at Argentina only from the perspective of what is happening in Argentina. Argentina is doing a test today that the ruling classes are looking to on a global scale to try to overcome the crisis of capitalism that comes from 2007, 2008, 2009, and which is expressed in the slowdown of economic growth. The crisis of capitalism that comes from the arrastre of 2007, 2008, 2009, and that is expressed in the ralentization of the economic growth.